Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me today is Taylor Dammel. No shark. He's moving into his new place. Apparently, he had a bit of an issue with the cable guy. It's not the cable guy's fault. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, by the way, with Jim Carrey. Pretty good theater. Pretty humorous. Uh, The cable guy apparently had a stroke. He's okay. The shark gave him some water. What a guy. Really breaking his back to help the cable guy there. But cable guy is all right. Uh, I don't know if the shark had Wi-Fi set up or cable. You'll hear an interview with Mike Burgomaster. I have Wi-Fi and cable set up, but I think my connection absolutely sucked. So I apologize. I'm going to rip RCN a new one. But no shark today. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the week this week is Chris Walker, Chris Skywalker, former big man from Florida, freak athlete. He was on their last Final Four team, uh, which I believe was in 2014. I think the it was it was Billy Donovan's last year, but Chris Skywalker. Uh, a former big man from Florida, just an unreal athlete, jumped out of the gym. A lot of fun to watch. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Taylor, welcome back. Like we said, no shark. Hey, you're playing hurt. You, you, you showed to. me your finger. What's going on? Yeah, well, you know, last week we talked about, uh, you know, renovations to the home. Uh, I clipped off a very good portion of my finger this week, uh, which resulted in blood uh, on the ceiling, on the walls, uh, a, a very loud, boisterous, let's call it scream of agony uh, in pain. Um, you know, when you put, when you buy your first house, right. And you're renovating it, you have to put some blood, sweat, and tears into, uh, into the renovation of the place. And I have successfully put at least the blood and the sweat. I may have had one tear just year of accountability, right. I may have, I may, a tear may have fallen out of my eye, uh, when that happened. So, yeah, but you know, it's, it's middle of January. The home stretch of the season's coming up. You can't you can't just rest because you're injured. You got to play hurt sometimes. The toughest teams survive, Sue, but wise man once said. That's right. So, we talk about the kiss of titch, which is so real by the way, incredibly real. We talked about Baylor last week and we're singing their praises rightfully so at the moment of our recording and then they go ahead and lose two straight at home. Kisatich also applies outside of those things. Remember last week we were discussing how good of a handyman you were and how handy you were around the home. And here you go, just completely shredding your finger. Now that's not to say you're no longer a good handyman, but you suffered a little bit of injury there right after we were discussing about how great you were. I, I didn't even think about that. That's that is correct. I do kind of feel bad for Baylor, the fact that I guess we have such power that I waxed poetically about them for at least five minutes and then 
from there, they subsequently lost both of their games and uh, were in a dogfight uh, previous to this recording as well. Uh, legitimately, you know, a shot here or there could have lost a third straight game. As an Arizona fan, I'm not too upset about that. And maybe this should be a strategy we use going forward. Uh, Burgos never going to come back on the program again if they lose uh, to Georgia tonight. I can tell you that Kentucky would be one thing, right? You know, close matchup, whatever. If they lose to Georgia, Burgos going to block us on all <laughs> all social media platforms and phone number and and every. So I'm actually rooting against the kiss of Titch for for the, that particular purpose this week. Well, and because he's best friend of the program, he's been best, so loyal to best us. friend of the program. He always comes on, no questions asked, and delivers us terrific content. But yeah, if they do lose, I'm sure that will happen. All those all those items that you had laid out. Why don't we actually go ahead and get to that interview and hear what else will happen to us? Because Burgo does. Uh, explain what what he would have the fans do to us if they do lose tonight against Georgia. But without any further ado, let's go ahead and get to our interview with Auburn coach Mike Burgomaster. All right, we now welcome back to the program. I think we've dubbed him a bunch of times here, best friend of the program, Mike Burgomaster, representing Auburn University on the coaching staff, of course. Burgo, you guys are scintillatingly hot right now man you guys are on a tear the came out on monday and there is something a little different about you man you might have had a little little haircut a nice little fitted jacket on you got the auburn colors going but i think what it is is that number two gleam number two ranked team in the country tell us about it man does it feel this is the first time we've chatted with you when you're ranked this high yeah yeah well so this is this is the you know the highest um, ranking tied for in program history. Um, so, you know, we're, you know, we, we are, um, you know, we've had a great start so far, um, you know, just, just about at the halfway mark. Um, you know, we got a great group of kids, man, that, you know, play so hard and um, really epitomize, you know, coach Pearl style. Um, and so, yeah, things, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're really happy about our start in the SEC, but, you know, we're not even a third of the way through the SEC and it's been a grind so far. And um, we're looking forward to the grind um, from, from here to the end. So we have a constant debate on this program about like if rankings matter, which they don't, you know, in in the grand scheme of things. But when you achieve a ranking as high as number two, like nobody cares if you're the 17th ranked team in the country, like big, big deal. Right. But when you achieve like you're all the way up to number two, does that affect the players, the coaches, probably the coaches less than the players. But how do you guys turn on or turn off that? uh, I guess the noise when you when you get up to that high of a ranking. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know, for us, um, you know, our, our, our group does a great job of looking at it at one game of a time, one game at a time. Right. So, um, you know, for us, yeah, like, you know, and, and the, the rankings don't matter, obviously, like being number one and that being the highest ever or the first time in program history, like that's that's an achievement. Right. And like, you know, all we're about is trying to make history and do things that haven't been done before here at Auburn. Um, you know, so that's, that's a goal of ours. And so we know that we have to take it game by game. You know, you, you get dropped in the rankings if you lose. So, you know, we, we know we have to go into each game, um, you know, like it's an opportunity for us to, to, to achieve that milestone. Um, and, you know, I think our guys do a great job of, you know, they, they, they don't take any opponent for granted. They respect everybody. Um, and, uh, you know, like we, you know, a number of our guys, for, they, they really don't – it doesn't matter to them right now what, what the ranking is. Like, they care how we are in April. And our whole goal is about trying to get better each and every game so that we can be playing our best basketball in March and get all the way to April. Um, and so, yes, it's, it's you know, it, it it's a motivation right now. It gives us something to, to, to strive for. But, you know, if we do have the opportunity to get to that ranking, like, it's, it's not going to – you know, we're not going to rest on our laurels. And, you know, we're, we're all about getting better. So is there ever an opportunity for uh, some bulletin board material in this situation? Like, for example, there's a guy, which is wild, that ranked you guys as the number nine team in the country. You got more first place votes than Gonzaga did. So it's it's goofy as shit that you guys are number two. Do you ever, is there any bulletin board material that can be drawn from like, this dude, there are people out there still don't respect us, even though we're ranked this high? Sure, yeah. I mean, like, you know, you can always use, stuff and coach Pearl does an amazing job of finding, you know, ways to motivate our guys, you know, if, whether it was in, you know, in, in, in 2017, 18 season, right. You know, we had, we had lost like one game in the non-conference. Um, you know, we, we were about to enter the sec slate and, you know, some writer um, 
picked us to go four and 14 in the SEC. They said like our start was, you know, it was because of a week schedule, yada, yada, yada. Right. And so coach Pearl printed out t-shirts for the whole team to have that said four and 14. And, and we ended up, we ended up going on and, and winning the regular season, you know, in the SEC championship that year. Right. So like, he's going to, he's going to take stuff, you know, he's going to take, you know, what the media says and he's going to use it to help motivate our guys. Cause you know, um, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're all still trying to prove people wrong. Do you still have that shirt? Uh, I don't know. He made it, He just did it for himself and the players. The staff, the staff didn't get it. Oh, okay. but, um, yeah, he's, he still got it. He still got it. He breaks it out every once in a while. I love that going beyond actually physically putting it on a bulletin board, put it on a goddamn t-shirt. I love that. So an interesting soundbite you've already given us is that the players, you've mentioned the players don't necessarily care about this. I want to play a clip though, from your head coach, Bruce Pearl. He was on with Andy Katz talking about the rankings. And I want to get your reaction. It's about, Thirty seconds. So, but- they're going to finish first or fifth in our league right now. All I'm saying is, right now, based on our resume, right now, we should be number one. That does not mean we're the best team. Oh no, I agree. So, I want to make sure that, that that's clear because um, because you know we got. I have too much respect for all the other teams. Kachaga could beat us by twenty, and and they have. But right now, right now, we deserve to be number one. Wow, this is this has become a really high level program. You guys are you guys are you know pulling clips from other, you know, that you guys, you guys weren't doing that the first few times I was on. So, <laughs> so you, guys, you guys are about getting better too. You're, you're number two in the nation. We had to step our game up. Uh, secret cats out of the bag though. All I did was pull it up on Twitter, put the phone up to the, <laughs> to the microphone. But yeah, I mean, it's very clear that Bruce Pearl is adamant and clearly saying here, Hey, we should be number one. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, that's, that's definitely how we feel in, in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, I think if you look at it, like we have, you know, we have the best record in the country in quad one and two games um, at eight and one. Um, you know, we're, we've won five games on the road. Um, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the team that got voted ranked ahead of us, well, you know, they're an unbelievable team and, you know, they, they, you know, they deserve a ranking as well. We just feel like our resume right now, um, with our quad one and two wins. And then, you know, the one, you know, not the common opponent matters, but, um, you know, the one common opponent we have, we beat and, and, you know, they lost to a neutral site. So, um, you know, coach, coach summed it up perfectly. It's not, it's not a predictive ranking, right? Like, you know, that it's not, it's not a Ken Palm where it says where you're going to finish, you know, at the end of the year, it's, it's, you know, we feel like the AP poll should represent how teams are playing right now. And, uh, you know, we feel like we got the best resume in college basketball as of right now. Hey, Burgo, before we go any further real quick, I want to commend you on your bravery for jumping onto the program. Can I tell you why that is? You're very brave for doing this because have you ever heard of the kiss of Titch? I, I haven't, but I don't like it. I wouldn't like it either. Uh, but basically, we're we're a bad luck charm. Okay, so last right. week we were sitting here. <laughs> last week we were sitting here talking about Baylor, talking about how awesome and unbelievable they've really been over the course of two two and a half years, and obviously that still remains true. But the second I ended the recording and we published the episode, they lost two straight at home. Now, obviously, you guys got two straight. You got two straight at home this week with Georgia and Kentucky. So very brave. But if if any if any hiccups come along the way, feel free to direct your ire to me this time. Taylor was the one that was talking about Baylor, but you're very brave for doing this. Well, I don't know, you know, you know, when we put this out and and, and I retweet it, you know, and and God forbid something happens this week where we have a hiccup. I don't know that you want to just be inviting. I don't know if you've seen how Auburn fans are on social media, but I don't know that you just want to be inviting people to come at you and blame you for stuff because they will, they will, and they'll make memes of you guys. And I don't know if you guys have seen this, but you you guys are in trouble if that happens. I'll tell you what, this year is all about accountability. So was last year, okay? So I will feel personally responsible. I feel like I'm gonna wake up. You know how in in the Godfather a guy wakes up with a horse's head in his in his bed? I'm gonna wake up with like toilet paper all over my all over my room, rolling tumors corner. It's gonna be Subi's corner over here. Yeah, no, there's the you know, if we if we win, that's what we roll we we roll. If 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 we lose I don't want to see what happens because right now, you know, the memes have been crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to see Auburn fans' reactions when we lose. Is this a is this a any good pr- or any press is good press situation, Sub? Is that what you're is that what you're going for here? You're just drawing, yes. yeah. Right. <laughs> look, I love Auburn. I love Burgo, and I'm wishing you all the best for sure. But uh, look, I mean, I, I got to look out for number one as well. You know. Burgo, you are a great politician by not bringing up the name of the school that's ranked in front of you, by the way. That was nicely done earlier. Just wanted to give you some credit on that. But um, so obviously you guys are doing great this year, as we've discussed. 
uh, what's been the biggest surprise thus far, whether it be a player, you know, some outcomes of games, uh, uh, cohesiveness of the team? What's been something that's really surprised you halfway through the season here? I mean, I think, you know, I think first and foremost, um, you know, the biggest surprise is just how well um, and how quickly um, the, the newcomers have um, done when it comes to like buying into our system and understanding what we're trying to do. You know, obviously Jabari is terrific, but, you know, the, the, the three transfers that we brought in and Wendell, Zeph and, um, and Walker, um, you know, have just have just come in and gelled and team chemistry is unbelievable. You know, our locker room gets along great um, and, and it's a great blend of the guys that we had returning from last year um, and these new guys. So first and foremost, I'm definitely surprised by that. And, and you know, that's been a major reason for our success for sure. Um, and then secondly, I think, you know, I think we knew that we were going to be pretty good defensively this year. Um, I don't think we knew how good defensively we were going to be, um, you know, just with with our, our rim protection and creating turnovers and, you know, allowing us to get out in transition. Um, you know, our, you know, our guards have been, have been really good. And then obviously, you know, our fives have been as good as any fives in the country defensively between Walker Kessler and Dylan Cardwell, um, just cleaning up everything at the rim. You know, I think Walker um, has the number one block rate in, in the entire country. Um, you know, and so, so do we as a team because Dylan does an unbelievable job as well. So um, yeah, definitely first the, the newcomers blending in and then, and then secondly, how good we are defensively. I'm glad you brought up personnel, Burgo, because the last time we had you on the program actually was right after Walker Kessler transferred and said, yeah, I'm coming to Auburn uh, from North Carolina. And so you had mentioned briefly Jabari Smith, and he's slowly but surely. I don't even know if it's slowly anymore. He has taken the world by storm, the college basketball world by storm, and of course now NBA draft experts by storm. And they are slotting Jabari Parker, or excuse me, Jabari Parker, Jabari Smith, no lower than three in a lot of mocks that I've seen. We talked a lot about Walker over the summer, and he's been playing incredibly well. Jabari Smith, though, tell us about him. Bruce Pearl, I'm going to give you another quote. I don't have the audio, but Bruce Bruce said, I didn't anticipate how tough he was, how hard he works, and how good a teammate he is. What's it been like sort of seeing Jabari Smith? I don't know if he was under the radar or unnoticed, but he's certainly now a top three pick. What's it like being is seeing that transformation in a matter of two to three months? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, I wouldn't even call it really a transformation. You know, I think I think he came in, um, and and we maybe not have expected as much, but he, I mean, he's been who he is right now since he got on campus. Whether it's been you know being one of the hardest workers in our weight room, um, you know, and and away from practice, you know, um, you know him and Wendell Green, you know, getting in pretty much every morning, and and you know they had a little breakfast club thing going on with with Devin Cambridge too. You know, Wait, coming tell, in tell us work. about that. What's the breakfast club? They just came in early. You know, they're here for summer school and summer classes or whatever started at eight, nine. So they'd be in here at like six thirty, seven um, every morning, getting shots up. You know, working on their game. You know, Wendell working on some stuff that Jabari does. Jabari working on stuff that Wendell does. Um, you know, you know Devin Cambridge getting in here and getting shots too. Um, you know, and I think they kind of just set the tone for for what the work ethic on this team was going to be and how hard you know we were going to play and how hard we were going to work. Um, you know, and Jabari being our only true freshman, you wouldn't be able to tell based on you know his voice in the locker room and, and how much he gets along with everybody and, and, and how much everybody respects him and listens to him. Um, you know, I think he's one of our more vocal people on the court. Um, and so, you know, yeah, maybe that's not, you know, you don't expect that from a true freshman coming in. You don't, you don't, you don't necessarily know how they're going to fit in with the rest of the group until they get there. Um, you know, but uh, Jabari, you know, came in and hit the ground running and, and is, a, is obviously, you know, obviously you can, you know, shoot the crap out of the ball too. So, you know, just but like just who he is as a person and a teammate, like Coach said, um, you know, has has really added to the success that we've had this year so far. So speaking of the NBA, you guys now have, I think, five players on NBA rosters uh, right now, including including a fellow Alaskan, JT uh, Thor there, who wasn't necessarily thought of as he came into college as someone who was going to end up being a first round pick either. But how does that elevate a program, let's call it, or how does it help build a program when you have not only players in the NBA, but players who are very recently in the NBA where, you know, that passes along to the current players on the team who then get passed along to like a freshman like Jabari. How does that process work? And how does, you know, having that many current NBA players kind of elevate a program? Sure. I mean, I think it's, I mean, you know, I think it's, it's super helpful. Like, you know, if you ever, if you ever go back and read some of the things that Jabari said in, in why he wanted to come to Auburn, he talks, you know, obviously about coach Pearl, about the fan base, but he also talks about the guys that played his position before him. Like he talks about the Chumo Kiki. He talks about, you know, 
Isaac Okoro that played some four for us. He talks about JT Thor that played four for us last. Like he talks about the guys, and and also those guys are all you know from the Atlanta area where Jabari's from too, right? So they 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 look and see you know people that are getting drafted at a high level, you know at, at a high pick that play their position. They also look and see people that come from the same area that they come from, you know, and and see where that they were able to make it work at a place like Auburn. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, put two and two together and realize that it's, it's a, it's a really good fit. And if they come here, they have a chance to be successful. Um, you know, so it's, it's unbelievable for us, um, in, in, in recruiting to be able to point to kids that these guys, you know, either played against or, or watched played as they were growing up, you know, and, and, you know, see them play at Auburn and then go to see them play at the next level. It's, it's, it's great. And, and, you know, it's been, uh, it's been really special to have some of the guys that we've had come through this program. Um, we've been really, really like lucky to to get to work with them. See, I'm gonna. You say that JT Thor is from from the A. I'm gonna claim from the other A, and that's Anchorage. Just wanna, yeah. put, just putting that out there, right? He, I know that was, I know that was deep back in 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 the history there, but I just we we have to claim whatever we can there. No doubt. No. And so, hey, when, when he got announced in the starting lineup, they they said from Anchorage, Alaska. So <laughs> uh, he just played his last year of high school in in Georgia. So my, my bad. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <Sue. laughs> No, that's true. I mean, Taylor does always have to make sure that that Anchorage and Alaska is well represented, hey, we don't, and we I don't get that. have that many. Okay, you know, like I got to hold on to everything that we got. No, I don't. I don't blame you whatsoever, man. So, I mean, Burgo, can we? And again, this is all. I don't want to count the eggs before they hatch, and obviously, we hope Jabari Smith stays perfectly healthy and keeps balling out like he has. Can we see you in the green room if and when he declares? <laughs> I, I I don't know about that, but I but I will say that you know if I was an NBA GM, I would I would take him with the number one pick. I think he's got you know a high ceiling and and, and a high floor. You know I think if if he if he never gets better from this point on, he's going to be a really good NBA player. You know what I'm saying? I think he's only going to continue to work and get better. So um, not that my stamp of approval matter, matters at all, but that's 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 what I'm saying. I disagree. I. I, you know, he might be he might be teammates with Chuma there. We'll see, we'll see. But we got to yeah. worry about we got to worry about Georgia tomorrow first, or, or I like Georgia that. today when this comes out. Yeah. All right. Let's actually get back to that then. Um, so we'll l- let's rewind. Actually, let me rewind a little bit to a much more tropical, nicer weather place over Thanksgiving. Okay, your only loss came to UConn, who I believe is still ranked here, and they're a tough team in the Big East, and that was. Uh, potentially game of the year that went to double over. If you take off, is it a night double overtime against UConn? First of all, take us through that whole week in preparation and balancing, you know, obviously Thanksgiving and uh, being in, I think you were in Atlantis, right? Yep. Yep. You were in so, Atlantis and I then mean, uh, the game itself. So yeah, I mean, even before that, all the preparation, how was that week in Atlantis? Sure. Um, so, you know, we played, um, and I, I don't have the dates right exactly, but we played, I want to say on the Friday before we played at South Florida, we came back, um, took a day off. Then we had, we had two days of practice. We practiced Sunday and Monday. Our first game was UConn on Wednesday. We practiced Sunday and Monday at home and traveled Monday to the Bahamas. So, you know, Sunday, we, you know, Sunday, we spent a lot of time obviously on UConn. Um, you know, Monday we, we did as well, you know, we, the whole goal, there was trying to win the first game. So we get down to Atlantis um, on Monday. You know, it's a, it's, it's a gorgeous place. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really nice resort. There's pools everywhere. There's cool slides, you know, but for our staff and our players, it's, it's really a business trip. Like, you know, I, I was fortunate to have, um, you know, my, my parents and my girlfriend uh, come and, and they had a blast, but like I barely get to, got to see them the entire time. You know what I'm saying? Because, um, you know, we, we got a little bit of time to, to enjoy it Monday, but then Tuesday we, it was all preparation for, for, for UConn. And then, you know, Wednesday, um, obviously, you know, I think that was one of the best games in college basketball, if not the best game in college basketball so far this year. Uh, we would have loved to have it go our way. Um, you know, we, we, we were probably one rebound away from winning that game in regulation after like a terrific comeback. You know, all the credit to them. They shot it as well as they've shot it all year to this point. Um, you know, we probably could have done more to, to, to make them miss. Um, but yeah, so then after that, you know, after that heartbreak of, of, of a huge comeback and, you know, two overtimes on the first day, which when you play three days in a row is, you know, you're trying to win the game, but that's, you still got two more, you know, our, our, our whole mindset going down there was, you know, we got to get two games at the minimum, got to get two games. It doesn't matter, you know, which one it is. Obviously we'd love to win the first one, but got to try and get two games. So, um, we had a really quick turnaround to uh, Loyola Chicago, who's, 
you know, does um, does run so much stuff and does an unbelievable job and just plays super, super intelligent basketball. Um, you know, our guys did an unbelievable job of, of handling that preparation and that scout in, in you know, in less than 24 hours. Um, and then, you know, going on to, to Syracuse, which, you know, it's another really unique team to see in a short period of time because, you know, you don't get any live preparation against a 2-3. Um, you know, and luckily, you know, our, you know we, had, we had done some zone work, um, you know, the, the week prior because we had like a week leading up to that game just to get ready just in case. Um, and so, uh, you know, our it was it was a really, really cool tournament, you know, star studded three games in three days was a lot. And I didn't really get to see, you know, my family the entire time. But it was it was it was an enjoyable experience. So does a tournament like that or maybe point to somewhere else this year where you, you know, obviously you're, you're very involved in everything going on in basketball. You don't necessarily have an opportunity to take a step back for one second and, and get the uh, bird's eye view of things. But as a tournament like that, even though, you know, even though you lost a game, do you think to yourself, okay, we might, we might be like good, good this year. And I know you always think that you're going to be good, right? You have to have a positive mindset about everything, but is there some, was that a moment that you thought that, or maybe a different moment this year where you're like, Oh, we, we might be a little better than anticipated this year. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for me, you know, I think it was in coming back in the UConn game, you know, I think that had been, you know, the, the ability to close a gap, um, you know, obviously we, we didn't want to get down, but the ability to, to, to close, you know, a deficit, I think we were down, whether it was, I don't know, I think we were down maybe like 13 or 14 in that game. Um, and to be able to close a deficit and come back um, and, and take the lead, it reminded me of some of our past pretty good teams. Um, just, you know, um, the, uh, the ability to the spurt ability, um, for lack of a better word, and so um, that that's kind of when I knew we had a chance to be good. Um, but you know, obviously, we had to keep getting better. And um, you know, the the win against Loyola Chicago was was terrific because you know Loyola Chicago is going to stay a quad one win the entire year. You know, they're going to do really well in their conference. Um, you know, and then for me, I actually, I it was it was you know it was really cool to see winning beating Syracuse and, and you know we beat them by a decent margin it was really cool because I grew up a Syracuse fan and, and and you know watched them um you know growing up you know because my sister went there and um you know to be on the same bench of you know across from you know coach Beheim was 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 really cool for me and and you know to to beat them pretty handily you know anytime you beat a historic program like that um you know you you got something good on your hands on the bench there, Bergo, if we go back to the UConn game with so many ebbs and flows and essentially a roller coaster game, again, if you haven't watched this as a fan, I would highly recommend you do it because that's two tournament teams, uh, potentially a, a, a top two seed, top one or two seed here in Auburn. You should watch that game. But in such a roller coaster atmosphere, I find a lot of times that the coaching staff is looked upon by the players for some calm, cool, and, and, and being collective, right? For you, is it tough to sometimes balance that when you're in the heat of the moment? I mean, you're literally right there on the floor and, and seeing a comeback and then not securing that rebound. Is it tough to sort of say to yourself, all right, let me pull back the emotions a little bit because we got to think about this next player. We may have to draw up something. Is that, do you ever wrestle with those emotions in a crazy game like that? Um, I mean, I, I can see, you know, I can see where a lot of people would. I think for us and, and just the way that Coach Pearl coaches the game and the way that we play, we're kind of frantic and 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 sporadic like that all the time. You know, like Coach, you know, Coach Pearl always talks about like he's going to coach from, you know, tw- you know, 40 minutes on the clock to zero minutes on the clock the same the entire way, whether we're up 20 or down 20, you know. And so I think part of the reason that he does that is so when those moments seem really big um, and, and the game should be tight, like, you know, the emotion doesn't necessarily change a ton. And obviously, you know, it's human nature, um, you know, for maybe for some of the assistants to get elevated. Um, but but I think, you know, we're just kind of used to that environment. So, like, you know, we, we do a pretty good job of trying to keep a level head and try and keep, you know, trying to be poised a little bit for, for our guys. Um, you know, they do an unbelievable job too. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think – I don't, I, yeah, you, you know, the heart race is a little bit more, but, um, but, you know, I think, I think for the most part, it's, we, we try and make it like any other play. So looking forward here a little bit, um, you know, kind of looking at maybe someone who's going to uh, surprise us over the second half of the season, you know, someone like maybe uh, like Alan Flanagan, right. Who missed the first, what, 12 to 14 weeks of the season, right. Mm-hmm. What, 
is there someone like that that you look to that uh, is really going to make some strides in the second half of the season, maybe at, you know, add to already a great team? Or is there someone else maybe you could point out that, you know, a younger guy that hasn't gotten as many minutes that might uh, really progress here over the last, uh, you know, 15 games of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think if you just just talk specifically about Al, you know, I think, you know, Al um, trying to find his rhythm, trying to find a stride and trying to carve out sort of his niche with this group, you know, he, he was our leading returning scorer from last year, um, you know, and, and, you know, his time to, to kind of gel and play with this group, you know, with these newcomers, like I mentioned, um, you know, w- was, was cut short by an injury. So, you know, we're kind of trying to learn on the fly on, 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 on how to play together and, you know, how to best utilize him. And, um, you know, but, you know, he's, he's got to continue and, he, and, you know, he knows to continue to get better, um, you know, at, at, at some of the ways he can affect the game, you know, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much, you know, he probably has the ball in his hands a lot more. Um, and so we're, we're just, you know, we're working on trying to learn um, how to do that. And I think, I think as we continue to get better in that regards, it'll only help our team. Um, but, you know, as far as one particular player, um, you know, um, um, other than that, you know, I think, I, I think, you know, I think one of our greatest strengths is our depth. Right. And so, um, you know, whether it's, you know, like, you know, Wendell Green's already come off the bench a bunch of times and had some terrific games. Like, you know, like Jalen Williams, um, you know, was was our second leading return, returning scorer from last year that started for us. And, you know, he's come in and had some flashes. And, you know, Devin Cambridge, you know, going, even going back to his freshman years, had a couple, you know, 20-plus point games. So, you know, I don't necessarily know that there's going to be one person that, you know, rises up and, and um, but but it, it's going to be somebody different every night, you know. And, and our greatest strength is the fact that, you know, we're going to play 10, 11 guys and we're going to go, you know, through the grind of this SEC where other guys, other teams are only playing, you know, seven or eight and our legs are just going to be fresher. And, and you know, that's part of the reason why we feel like we, you know, you know, it, you know, if we can if we can make it and start playing our best basketball in March, um, you know, we're, we're going to be fresher. And, um, you know, any any given night, anybody can carry us. So just looking at that, as you were saying that you guys have 13 players who have appeared in at least seven games this year. I mean, that's that's nuts. I would imagine there aren't that many teams in the country that can go that deep. What is, you know, how does that, uh, you know, prepare you for the tournament, aside from the obvious of being fresh? But, I mean, does that mean that, you know, Bruce and you guys have essentially full confidence in all 13 of those players, let's call it, going into the tournament to play anytime, anywhere against anyone? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, I think Coach, um, you know, you know, I, and I think I think our starters are giving great confidence in the fact that, you know, they can play as hard as they can for, you know, maybe 26 or 27 minutes because they know the guy coming off the bench is, is going to be able to equal their production. Um, you know, I think, you know, that's that's one of the things that makes this group you know special is, is, is the fact that, you know, they're 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 able to play as hard as they possibly can for, you know, maybe seven or eight minutes less than the opponent. But you know, there's, there's three minutes at the end of each half where, you know, we're way fresh, you know, we've played three minutes less that, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, um, it, it, it allows us to, you know, you know, have, have wider margins of success at the end of halves because, you know, we're fresher at the end of each half than the other team. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, from our standpoint, you know, we've played teams that have played, you know, 10 to 13 guys or whatever, you know, something in that range. And, and from a scouting standpoint, it just, it just makes it hard because you have to prepare, you know, for what every person does. And you don't know who's going to whose night it's going to be each night, you know. And so um, the intricacies of, of, you know, what one person might do at a position versus what another person might do. It, it definitely presents a great challenge for coaches and game planning. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely a strength of ours. Gotten it already yet in terms of questions and hearing about it. I'm sure you will hear very soon. There's going to be a lot of parallels, I feel like, between or a, a lot of parallels that people are going to try and make between this team and the team that won the SEC title en route to a Final Four. Keep me honest there if that wasn't the case, but I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. In my eyes... The, the, the tournament, yeah. In the tournament, yes. So in my eyes, Burgo, I feel like that Final Four team had a lot of experience. You had guys returning. In this year's team, I don't know if I necessarily see that. Are there any parallels common common occurrences between this team and, and that team that I'm referencing. What are some of the biggest differences? Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think from a from a from a from a roster makeup, you know, um th- there are some similarities in the fact that um, you know, I think that team that team that went to the final four um, you know, truly was eleven people deep. Um, whereas I think, you know, this team, 
you know, is, is 10, 11, maybe even 12 people deep. So I think there's definitely a parallel there. And then the other thing I think that I'd point to, you know, that team obviously um, was, you know, the second team in NCAA history for, um, you know, making threes in a single season. You know, well, this team isn't necessarily as three crazy. I do think, you know, the, the statistics that sort of match up with that team is, you know, the, the final four team, I want to say we were, we were second in, in turnover percentage, defensive turnover percentage and, and causing turnovers, and then like fifth in block percentage. So basically, you know, roughly two out of every five possessions, we either, we were either turning you over or blocking your shot. Um, you know, this team, that's one, that's one area where, you know, these teams compare and the fact that I think we're about, you know, around 40%, um, you know, of every possession, we're either turning you over or blocking your shot. Um, and so, you know, that, you know, for a team that likes to play fast and it's, you know, a team, you know, in, in coach Pearl system, you know, that's, that, that usually leads to us being successful and being able to get out on the break and um, being able to close gaps if we are down and, um, you know, build wide leads if, if, you know, if, if we are able to get up. So, um, you know, still got a long way to go, obviously still, there's still a lot of season left, you know, um, you know, there's, there's, there's still, you know, a little bit less than half the season, but that's the one, that's the one area that I see comparable right now. So speaking of the rest of the season, um, obviously the SEC has really looked like a great conference this year. Uh, really half the conference is I would consider to be, you know, high major teams this year, you know, a team like even Texas A&M has come out and surprised a lot of people to open up the conference play. I know we've kind of talked about this on your previous uh, appearances here on the program, but how much outside of the obvious like tape that you watch in leading up to games, how much of the other teams in the SEC do you get to watch on like a nightly basis? And is there anyone that has struck you as, as kind of uh, I guess a surprising team uh, in the conference this year? Um, you know, so, you know, yeah, obviously, like you said, you know, we're, you know, we're preparing, um, you know, on our laptops and, and, and clipping games and making notes and, and putting together scouting reports for, you know, a number of different teams, but, you know, you know, our league, our, our, our schedule is fairly consistent. So we play, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday nights or, or we play Saturdays. Um, you know, so basically, you know, if you play Wednesday, you don't get to see the teams that play Wednesday, but, you know, typically like tonight, um, you know, I'll, I'll go back and I'll watch the three games that are on. Um, not necessarily like making notes or anything on that, but just to see what's going on. And then, you know, Saturday, depending on what time you play, you'll catch probably half the games. You know, if you play late, you, you see you see everyone before you. If you play early, you know, you see everyone later that night. So, um, um, you know, as far as teams, as far as teams that, you know, have surprised me so far, um, you know, I don't I don't I don't necessarily know that there is one potentially Texas A&M. But, you know, they've they've caused fits in the league since, you know, Coach Williams has, has, has been here. Um, you know, they you know, they. His, even his first year when they weren't projected to have that high, uh, high of a finish, they still finished in the top half of the league. And, um, you know, they do, they do a really, really good job. So, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily surprising that they're up here. Um, I just, I just think, you know, we play in the best league in the country, um, the most competitive league in the country. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult every night. I mean, you know, even a team, you know, that will play um, Wednesday night in, in Georgia, you know, that's that they're right now they haven't won a game in the league, but you know, they've, they've put together, you know, 30 minutes of really good basketball in pretty much every single game that they've played in. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're playing, you know, the top of the league or, or, or teams that are right now at the bottom of the league, you got to bring it every night. Um, and, and just cause the athleticism is great. The coaching's great. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard every night in our league. Well, I think another aspect that makes it difficult are the venues. So the SEC is home to great venues, such as obviously Auburn, Rupp Arena, Rocky Top's great, right? Old Miss was an electric atmosphere, I'm sure, on Saturday even. So first and foremost, how, how much of an adjustment is it having fans back this year, right? Because you were playing in, in empty arenas last year. I'm sure it's a lot more fun for the players and it's a better experience. Has there been a bit of a growing, uh, some growing pains or a learning curve there? I mean, not, you know, not for us. I think, I think, you know, there was, there was a little bit of an adjustment the first time we went on the road for, you know, some guys whose first year of college basketball was last year or, you know, like, you know, Jabari even a little bit, but um, no, I think, I think our guys love, um, you know, the atmosphere, you know, um, having the fans back in the jungle. I mean, you know, we have the best fan base um, in the country. You know, we have the best home court experience in the country. Um, that place is loud. It's rocking. Um, you know, tickets are impossible to get. Like I can't even get family members tickets. There's just no, there's no tickets to be had anywhere. Um, so don't ask. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, but, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, 
it, it's been it's also been unbelievable because you know our fans are you know because it's so hard to get a ticket in Auburn Arena, our fans are starting to travel, and so like you know I I think we probably had you know over a thousand maybe two thousand people when we played out of Alabama. We probably had you know a thousand two thousand maybe even three thousand Auburn fans when we played Ole Miss. Like so yeah, it's 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 you know it's it's hard to go into you know a hostile environment. But our fans have been done, been doing such an unbelievable job of buying up tickets, and so you know it almost gives our, our our guys a sense of confidence when they hear you know even if it's a faint cheer, but like you know we still hear or still hearing cheering in other people's buildings, and it's um you know it's 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 so it's so nice to have the fans back. It just you know it it wasn't fun last year without yeah. Them. Yeah, sense of normalcy. And it's so funny. Last week we opened the show by saying and just sort of diarrhea of the brain, right? We were just talking shop. Like, huh, what if what if this happens? Like, how often do college football players coaches interact with their college basketball counterparts coaches, right? So in Auburn, it's obviously Bruce and Brian Harson. And Bruce actually came out with a quote. I've been all over the Bruce quotes this past week, man. And he he basically he was talking to Brian Harson saying that exact same thing saying that Auburn fans are now traveling in droves and, and, and a lot more. And that's obviously a terrific thing. You had mentioned Bama. I want to go to that game. That was another terrific game. Uh, not as good as the UConn game as a neutral observer. I'm, I know you pulled it out against Bama, not necessarily against UConn, but be honest here, take that politician hat off here, Burgo. How good did it feel beating Bama the day after they lost that national title in football? I mean, you know, anytime, anytime we can beat uh, Alabama and, and, you know, whether it's football or, you know, or obviously uh, basketball, like anytime, anytime we, we can beat our rivals, it's, it's an unbelievable feeling. It's, you know, it's, it's sweeter, you know, and, and especially the combination of beating, you know, you, you know, one of your biggest rivals and, um, you know, winning at their place is, is a really, really good feeling. Um, it, it made the three hour bus ride home, you know, feel a lot better than, than it would have otherwise. But, um, yeah, no, it was it was it was a really really cool experience. Um, you know, I thought we played really well. We had a little dry, you know, dry spell there for the last, you know, eight, you know, at the eight minute mark to about the three minute mark. Um, you know, we, we we you know they they really stepped up and changed things defensively to to bother us a little bit. But um, yeah, it was that was that was a lot of fun. Did you did you have like a an oh shit sort of moment when JD Davidson? Threw that at, threw down that absolute hammer. I mean, maybe a, maybe a little bit in, internally, but you know, I typically I typically am pretty you know uh, pretty you know stoic on the bench for the most part. I'm, I pretty much don't react <laughs> to anything um, and just kind of just start thinking about the next play. There you go. And I, I also saw the uh, the celebrations too, doing the John Michi uh, ninja thing. Was that was that discussed post game? Was was Bruce a little unhappy about that, or was that sort of like, yeah, you know what, these are our rivals. Let's 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 two step a little bit. Well, I mean, I guess so. I guess it was something you know that um, the I guess the Alabama football team did that when you know a bunch when they scored, and so you know there's there was I don't know if you guys knew, but there was a tr- like an unbelievable Iron Bowl game um, held in Auburn this year. You know, it was ten ten um, going into and ended up going into four overtimes. Um, you know, and Auburn played really, really well, but it was, I mean, it was an unbelievable comeback and win by Alabama. And, um, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, our guys all year, you know, love to support the football team. And so they were down in like the front row of the student section and all the Alabama football guys came up at the end of the game. And I guess did that celebration, like kind of in their faces. So I guess they had it in their minds that, uh, you know, they were going to, they were going to return the favor if they, if they had the opportunity to do so. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's what that's what a rivalry is all about. So, so I no guess spe- speaking of that kind of atmosphere, as I know you've kind of talked about it, you know, for the last couple of minutes here, but I don't want to skip over Georgia. So I know you're not skipping over Georgia, but let's just say if you had a game coming up that was against maybe a team that perennially has been atop the SEC and it was at home and it was at, on CBS as like the national game of the week. Can you talk about maybe how the team specifically prepares for that. And then do you guys have any interaction? Like, cause I know the fans will probably be lined up for a day in advance to get into this game. Right. Do the coaches or anybody on the staff have any kind of like, does Bruce go pass out like pizzas to the people uh, lined up or anything like that? Can you kind of go through uh, that kind of game day atmosphere? If, you know, hypothetically you had a game like that coming up on Saturday. Sure. Sure. Um, hypothetically speaking, of course, no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, so just talking about the preparation, I mean, so we'll play, we'll play Georgia, um, eight o'clock on Wednesday. 
Um, you know, guys will go to class all day, all day Thursday. Uh, and then we'll have a kind of a lighter two days of practice because you can't really go super hard the day after a late game, um, you know, um, and then, and then, you know, the day before an earlier game, um, you know, we play at noon, um, you know, central time. So, you know, the day after the day before an earlier game, you're not going to, so it's going to be a lot of mental prep, you know, a lot of walkthrough, um, that sort of stuff. But I mean, the last time, you know, I think the last time we hosted Kentucky and we were both ranked, uh, I think our students started lining up at, I want to say 3 a.m. Um, um, the morning prior to, and I think it was like a 3.30 uh, tip for that game. So, um, you know, if this game being at noon, they'll, I mean, they'll probably be out there by the time we're done with practice on Friday, if I had to guess. Um, and yeah, Coach, Coach Pearl usually does an unbelievable job of, you know, whether it's donuts or juice or bagels or, or you know, pizza or whatever. He, he typically, when he gets here before, you know, he's about to do his uh, pregame, um, you know, meeting with the team. He usually makes make sure to go stop up there and 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 show the fans some love and um you know because they you know we you know we weren't the same at our home court without them last year and so we're so we're so grateful um, for the support and it, it it makes like I said for the best home court environment in college basketball. You're a professional through and through, and Taylor already said, and it's worth repeating. I know you're not overlooking Georgia, I promise, but it's too juicy of a matchup to not follow up with another question about Kentucky. Oscar Shibway, you guys have a terrific front court. He is a marvelous front court player who is arguably probably the best rebounder in college basketball right now, and he just cleans up the glass. How do you neutralize that particular aspect of Oscar's game? Well, I mean, I think you know, um, you know, you obviously, you know, first form like like boxing out is 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 the is the most important thing um, in the entire world, and um, you know, I think. Um, for him, especially, you know, it's it's about not letting the guards get so deep that they can just kind of put it up on the glass where he can get easy rebounds. And then, you know, we got to we got to do a good job of of understanding, you know, when we can come off to block shots and you know, which is which is something that we're good at. But when you know maybe um, the guy on the ball is gonna you know prevent him, um, you know, prevent him from uh, uh, from making it himself, right? So you know, sometimes you don't need to necessarily rotate over all the time and, and give them easy ones. Um, and then you know, as far as on the defensive glass. Um, you know, we just, we, we, we need multiple guys running to the boards, you know, um, and, 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 you know, if we can send three or four guys to the boards, um, you know, to, to, um, you know, try and make it difficult for him to clean up all those rebounds, um, you know, but, uh, you know, we, we have some coaches on our staff that are all over to that scout, you know, we, you know, we break up, um, you know, we break up our, our scouts into three different groups. And so there's a group, you know, that's focused on Georgia. Um, there's a group that's already focused on Kentucky. And so they'll, they'll, you know, they'll have the the answers to that question probably a little bit more than I do right now. I mean, it's going to be an absolute treat come Saturday. Of course, like you said, focus on Georgia though, Burgo. Don't, don't get too, don't get, don't, don't look too far ahead. All right, man. Don't listen to us. Focus on Georgia, which I'm, I'm sure you're, you're doing. Hey, so if we talk about Auburn again, specifically, you started at number 22 on the year. You were picked to finish fifth in the SEC preseason media poll. I feel like this always happens with Auburn people undersell you and then you sh you put together these terrific regular seasons and we're only here in January. You have a long way to go. We both appreciate that. But if you look at where you were in the eyes of the national media, I suppose 22 on the year to preseason poll fifth in the sec. If you could pinpoint one of the biggest reasons for this ascension or where you're at right now, what is it? Because Taylor asked you what were the big what the biggest surprise was on the season. What's the biggest reason for this team's success? I mean, I think I, I mean I think it's it's you got to point to our guard play, right? Like I think anybody you know coming into our year probably could have pointed to the fact that our front court and our front court depth was going to be one of our bigger strengths. But you know, if you look at you know the the I think Zepp Jasper is one of the best on ball defenders, if not the best in the country. Um, you know, Wendell Green. Um, you know, at, at the end of the year is, is you know, is going to put himself in a, in a conversation for six man of the year nationally, just based on what he's doing off the bench, um, being able to score, being able to shoot it from 45 feet away and, you know, and be able to distribute. And then, you know, Katie Johnson and, and what he brings and, and just how hard he plays, um, you know, and, and his ability to be a defensive playmaker, um, you know, poking balls away, stripping and ripping and getting out in transition and just, you know, getting downhill in a, in a hurry. Like, I think, you know, that those, you know, maybe part of the reason we weren't as highly ranked to begin the year was, was probably because of the uncertainty of how, you know, we'd be able to gel all those pieces together. Um, but I think, you know, 
our guard play and then just at the end of the day like you know the reason we're so good defensively is because of our five and walker and dylan cleaning up everything at the glass so um you know i don't know that we necessarily knew they'd be as as effective defensively i don't know that anybody necessarily knew that but you know i think i think our guard play has, has shocked some people um and then you know obviously those two being at the level that they're at you know we knew they were going to be good we didn't know they were going to be this good yeah we'll get you out of here on the last couple questions here we'll have a little fun hey do you know what the all name team is that we do here at titch like i mean just like as far as like some of the best names in college basketball that's it that's okay. it that's i mean you might be on that if we were to look for a coaching staff member burgomasters is top tier but yeah strong it is strong scour the the country for some of the best names did you know that and i didn't know about this player to be honest with you i hate to say it but one of those uh, players might actually make our, our list and he's from Auburn. You know who exactly I'm talking about? Can you guess? I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Well, I, I, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank right now. Is it Zep Jasper? I mean, that's a great name, but no, I was thinking of Chandler Leopard. Oh, Chandler Leopard. Yeah. One of our walkers. He's actually the best shooter on our team too. He's got, he's got a stroke. Like, like he's he? on our, he's on our, he's on our scout team and you know, he plays whatever shooters on the other team. And you know, he, 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 you know, he, he's got a, uh, he's got a, he's got a, a rocket on him. Chandler so. Leopard's just an unreal name. Having, having like a, 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 an animal of the jungle as your last name in the jungle. I, has that, has that connection ever been made? I think you're the first one. I think you're the first one. Wow. I never, never thought about that. Do me a favor, relay that to Chandler. Uh, I'd love to, but yeah, he's, he's, he's in the running for all name team Chandler Leopard. Hey, <laughs> yeah, and then right. Saturday we talked about the game against Ole Miss. Obviously you were in Oxford. We, uh, we all know you're a big Patriots fan as well. Did you have a, a wandering eye at all during that game? I mean, it was a complete massacre. Did you like when you got in at halftime, maybe after the game and check the score, you're like, what the hell just happened? Cause you were playing simultaneously. Yeah. So we, we had a pretty, uh, we had a, we, had, we didn't have our best first half, um, you know, and, and, and all the credit to Ole Miss, they played really, really well. Um, so there was a point where we were down 14 in the first half there. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, I knew that, I knew that Patriots game was going to be on, you know, you know, being a massive Patriots fan. It's the second time this year, you know, the last time that we played at the same time as them is when they lost with against the Colts. So I didn't have a good feeling like, you know, knowing that I wasn't gonna be able to watch it going in. Um, and so I actually asked, um, you know, our, our sport administrator um, to just give me an update at halftime, you know, when, when it was appropriate to do so. And, you know, things weren't necessarily going great in the first half. I was already in a bad mood. I think he told me they were down 20 nothing, And so I was just like, thanks for adding insult to injury and just kind of walked away. Um, but, you know, it definitely uh, it was. But at, at the end of the day, like, you know, the fact that we were able to come back and win and, and winning on the road and, you know, Ole Miss has always bothered us. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it stunk that the Patriots, you know, lost, but luckily I had something that was, that was uh, a huge bright spot. It would now it would have been, it would have been talk about a bad bus ride home. So you know, we, we had to, because of weather, we weren't able to fly home. And so if we had lost that game at Ole Miss and the Patriots lost like that, and we had to drive five hours home in a bus, that would have been a bad experience, but Holy luckily shit. we just got one of those things. Yeah. So. Well, I, I had, I known all that, I don't know if I would have DM'd you to hop on, man. I, I feel bad. I don't like, don't want to, don't want to irk the big guy here, but I mean, as, as a Northern guy in, in the South, you know, on the roster, do you get a lot of grief? Did, did people give you shit about, about that game? Well, Teammates so let's, luckily I'm protected because, you know, um, you know, our head coach is also a Patriots fan. So people know if, if they, if, you know, if they give me any crap, it's, it's very quietly because you don't, you know, you don't, you don't want to piss off the boss. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, yeah, no, so no one's very vocal or, you know, very in your face about the Patriots losing because they know better. I didn't know Bruce was a Pats fan. What, yeah, what's the so, origin of that? He he grew up in in Sharon, Massachusetts, and, right. and 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 went to Boston College. So yeah, big Pats fan. That's true. Hey, we'll get you out of here on this. You talk about our growth on the program. We've introduced a new segment whenever we have a guest on, right? And it's called "Bring Him Up on Stage." So I want to ask you, Burgo, who do you think would be a great fit to come on do some interviews with? That doesn't mean we're going to be uh, throwing you away. Don't worry. We're going to have you back on if and when you're ready. But are there any names in the college basketball world, anyone that you're close with that you think would enjoy jumping onto the program here and having a chat with us? I think, um, I, you know, I, there's, there's a buddy of mine that was a, a grad assistant with me um, the year we won the SEC regular season championship. He's now an assistant coach at Drake. 
Um, you know, they, they just came off, you know, a win in the NCAA tournament last year, you know, really good in the Missouri Valley. His name's Matt Gatons. He's, he's also a really, really good player at Iowa. Um, you know, one of their – I don't know where he ranks as far as being a scorer, but, yeah, let's, let's get him on the pod. I, I, I can make it happen. I appreciate that. I might leverage you for a warm welcome. I'm very shameless. If he has the little mail icon in his Twitter, I will DM him and drop your name. But if he doesn't have that, I may have to leverage you for some contact information. Is that all right? I got you. Virgo, you're the man. Congratulations on a terrific season thus far. Best of luck moving forward. You guys are going to have a, a great year. Really looking forward to seeing what comes next. Avoid that kiss, kiss a titch, though, all right? Tell Bruce about that. I'll make sure to bring it up in the scattering report tomorrow morning. Hey, if we uh, seriously though, if we lose, I'm sending the Auburn fans. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, but you guys probably want it. It'll probably it'd actually probably be you know it's a good yeah, it's, right. it's, it's, it's good it's good for listenership. Hey, if they smash that follow button, man, <laughs> we'll do I'll whatever it takes. Do whatever you're, you're gonna have one of those Buffalo Wild Wing buttons to like, <laughs> yeah. make it, make us lose or send us over or whatever. So. Hey, man, you know. Hey, I'll tell you what though, Burgo, you see number three, huh? What'd you say? I know you see who's who's riding those coattails at number three. Oh yeah, the, the Wildcats, huh? Last, the only time we played them since I've been here, we beat them. So, oh, know, we'll <laughs> no, they're they, no, they're 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 really good though. They're really yeah. good. Uh, it's Tommy Lloyd, right? Yeah, he's, yep. he does, he's doing an unbelievable job. I saw I saw they did some video where he's running the same under out of bounds that like they've been running at Gonzaga for the last like twenty years or something like that. Uh, so I don't know. He just, I guess he brought it with them. Yeah. Hey, he built he built Gonzaga. Okay, come on. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. But appreciate you guys. All right, we want to thank Burgo as always. Amazing stuff. Uh, best of luck to Auburn moving forward. They are in a real, real position to make some noise, and I think they will continue to do so here uh, as we head towards February, and then of course February, the shortest month of the year, and then right after that, baby, it's March. It's March out of nowhere, but uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up now with a recap of uh, bets. So no bets today because the shark is out, but we can recap last week. The three and oh man, I'm staring right at him. Taylor, you got you hit everything. Colorado did cover minus four against Utah State. Colorado State, excuse me. Colorado State covered minus four against Utah State. Temple covered plus three over uh, Tulsa. Arkansas absolutely blasted Missouri. That line was 14 minus 14. I think Arkansas I told you, I told you, I didn't even just say they were going to cover. I told you they were going to beat the shit out of Missouri. I, t- I, and let's get, and there was Arkansas. a rumor about Conzo getting fired. Arkansas. Yeah. That duped uh, the other people on this program who I will not call out. That name. was the shark. Yeah, call them out. Arkansas. Also great weekend as well. Told you they were good last week. I had a little pushback. Uh, about that oh we're gonna go with arkansas blah 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 and then they just beat the shit out of uh missouri and then took down lsu i believe that was at lsu as well was it was it not it was at lsu yeah so yeah just just keeping an eye out uh we don't have any bets on this program today but i am gonna go ahead and support the program i will tweet out some picks tomorrow uh Super convenient that the quote unquote, the cable guy has a quote unquote stroke the day that uh, we're supposed to record the program after I go three and zero and Shark goes one and two, but I'm I'm just gonna leave that alone, I guess. The Shark did go one and two. He missed on Florida to cover against LSU. That was plus one and a half. Uh, Notre Dame to cover Clemson minus one and a half. He did hit, and then Memphis. He took Memphis to just straight up beat UCF, and they completely melted. I don't know. I, we, we joked about Eric Musselman. That's fine. I, I think Penny Hardaway is now just one of the worst coaches in college basketball. I hate to say it. I know we have a lot of Memphis support. I know we have the Memphis guys, the Barn Chief, uh, Barnburner Bro, Slim, all those guys. But what a meltdown. What a meltdown from Memphis against UCF. How do you feel if you're Amani Bates? Right. Like you were committed to go to school with one of the five best coaches in the country, essentially right now at home at Michigan State. And you decided to go play for Penny Hardaway. And now you guys just suck. I I mean, they're not even at this point, they're probably not even going to make they're not in line to make the tournament, maybe at the edge of it. And obviously we still got half 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 a year, excuse me, to finish up here. But if you're a guy like that and a top three or so recruit in the country, Boy, that's got to be kind of a disappointing situation to be a part of, I would imagine. Let's go ahead now and finish it up with some hugs. Taylor, what do you got? 
Yeah, I have a, uh, a maybe not a melancholy hug, but a more of like a hug of what are you doing type of type of deal. And uh, that is for University of Maryland basketball coach uh, Bruce Shingler, who was hit with a 30 day suspension for soliciting a prostitute uh, recently this last fall. Uh, surprisingly, in the state of Maryland, that's only a five hundred dollar fine. Um, so I, that probably doubled his uh, fee for this interaction with uh, with this woman. Um, I guess he uh, he hit uh, her, quote unquote, her up on a women seeking men page online. And it happened to be an undercover cop. So um, I, I guess the hug is for like when you go back into your locker room, when you're trying to lead like 18 to 20 year olds and you just got arrested for soliciting a prostitute, how... What's what's the chatter in the locker room after that? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so I don't know, man. Maryland is such a mess, and it's all their coaches, right? Turgeon's gone. This guy, they're getting smoked as this program is uh, being recorded right now, too, by by a, by an equally shitty Michigan program, right? now. I mean, you talk about the regret Amani Bates might have. What about guys that transferred to Maryland, like Kudus Wahab or Fats Russell coming from Rhode Island, Wahab coming from Georgetown? It's not like Georgetown's doing much. Uh, Rhode Island's not not terrible, but I mean, you you come to Maryland to try and state your case potentially to go pro, whether that be overseas or in the NBA, and then hopefully play for an NCAA tournament bid. A month into the season, your head coach is gone. This coach is doing that. I mean, geez, it's it's I- rough times in College Park. I love the quote too from uh, from the coaching staff. There it was like, "We're just trying to keep our head above water and move forward." Like, oh, okay. Like, which just choose any stock answer of all time and just apply it here. I guess. Yeah, we're just trying to you know matriculate the ball down the field. You know, like, come on. There's, these are non answers here. Let's let's try and keep the same coaching staff on the bench from the previous week. We'll start there. Why don't we start there for Maryland? Uh, yes, necessary hug though. My hug. And it's going to be the complete opposite way. A sincere, genuine hug is for Washington University basketball player Justin Hardy. Hardy's a really good basketball player, okay? He does all the little things that make teams great, and his team is just that. They're currently 12-1 and on the season, ranked number four in whatever division that they are playing in the country. Hardy already has, a, has had a 28-point game. He averages 11, and he sees the floor like a coach, and every once in a while he will unleash you know, a thundering dunk. Justin Hardy, though, also happens to have stage four stomach cancer, if you can believe that. Hardy got the news last April. At the time, he was deadlifting 450 pounds, which is insane. Then the pain came as it came in his stomach, and shortly afterwards, there was surgery. Uh, now, instead of walking into gyms and weight rooms, Justin is walking into the Seitman Cancer Center for treatment. He went through chemotherapy five to ten hours a day, once every two weeks. Then after he leaves the hospital, he goes home with a chemo pump which runs through his system 24 straight hours. He wears it to practice. Then a day later, he's out running his teammates in practice. uh, And after that, he takes those skills to the game. And this is just an incredible story. I mean, think about this guy taking his chemo pump to practice. A sincere hug for Justin Hardy. Uh, The quote here that he has is, the prognosis isn't pretty, but I'm not like most this is pretty rare to see in a 21-year-old. My age and my health status are two things I really have going for me, Hardy said. You have to live your life. I'm living in some of the best days of my life. This is one of the best years of my life that I have lived. I want to embrace the moment I'm living in. Coming back and playing basketball and finishing my degree are two things that I really wanted to do. I'm fearless. No matter what circumstances are, I'm going to attack it the best I can. There's not much else I should add or can add to this story or what this young man is going through and his perspective on life. So I'm just going to leave it as a sincere, sincere hug for Justin Hardy. We're going to catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. So let me put it out in the atmosphere one more time, Taylor. I really hope Auburn does not succumb to the kiss of titch. I ditto. Ditto. Catch you next time.